Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So we're at the um, ninth week, ninth, ninth class, ninth, ninth chapter of the Dhammapada. Um, this chapter is called the Sahasavaga, um, subtitled Simple Dhamma is Best. And this is such an interesting chapter where the Buddha is teaching us um, the very straightforward and well-contained nature of the Dhamma. And it's also kind of a warning to not try to embellish the Buddha's Dhamma, which was a knee-jerk reaction during his time, as well as today. Modern Buddhism, um, despite being widespread and uh, probably in, in some form in just about every country in the world, um, but what I found is that most of it is embellished by just the same things that the Buddha warns about here. Um, and it also points back to the uh, simple necessity to actually hear the Dhamma, meaning it's more than just meditation. It's more than, it's certainly more than just uh, idle chatter or conversation once a week among people that get together and discuss spiritual or social ideas. Uh, this has none of those trappings. This is just a simple and direct teaching. And again, the Buddha's words are reinforcing that the, the need to keep it pure. Um, <clears throat> but also when you see it, this follows Jen's excellent class on the qualities of an arahant. And so we've learned what, that, what it means to be an awakened, fully mature human being. And this is how you get it. The Sahasavaga, simple Dhamma is best, Buddha's words. Hearing one skillful word of true Dhamma that brings calm is better than a thousand foolish words. Hearing one skillful verse of true Dhamma that brings calm is better than a thousand foolish verses. Reciting one skillful verse that brings calm is better than reciting a thousand foolish verses. So a lot of the practice that I engaged in in one particular form of modern Buddhism was just, it was mostly this um, constant chanting. And even, and I remember um, reading and chanting these long Sanskrit, I, don't, I couldn't, I don't even know what it was. And I, I, can, I can still see myself there frustrated that I'm chanting a language that I don't even understand and the implication was that there is certain, um, that the way that the words sound, somehow going out into the, into the universe has an effect on you. Like even the word om is usually, you know, the, the, the default meditation chant, om, 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 om. And that om is supposed to have some kind of uh, tonal qualities that can <clears throat> affect you in some in some positive way, and again, the Buddha is um, saying, "Don't go there." And this was like a, 
you know, this was a true breath of fresh air for me because I couldn't understand why I was so frustrated and why I was so distracted and why I wasn't getting anywhere. But I kept doing it because of my unwise associations and all the friends that I had in different uh, lineages. The Buddha continues. Defeating thousands of people in battle is meaningless to the wise who have defeated ignorance in themselves. So all the battles that we think we should be taking out there, the first battle we should be taking is within ourselves and, and recognizing and abandoning con con conflict within ourselves and conflicting ideas, which result from attaching too much to the Dhamma. Uh, the Buddha's words, a person well-restrained remains untouched by gods and divas. So almost all of modern Buddhism, the way that I was practicing it, had to do in some, in some way of reaching or getting the attention of gods or divas that would then bring favor to me or in some lineages be my um there was one that i would i would, was to identify um one of the myth, mythical buddhist gods and just because that's what popped into my head it would happen to be avalokiteshvara that you see that the thing with the eight different arms that was that was mine i figured it was pretty cool to have all those different arms and so you're supposed to meditate on the qualities that Avalokiteshvara, which was calm, or which was compassion um, for all people. That was the idea of the arms is it could take the whole world into its arms. And so um, it didn't do much for me, and it, and it proved to be a huge distraction. A person well-restrained remains untouched by gods or divas. It's also an act of arrogance to think that first to have the belief that there's some kind of superior or supreme being better than me but that this lowly person can be helped by again that's that's reverse arrogance isn't it rooted in self-loathing and it's a real easy catch i mean it, it grabs a lot of people that i'm no good but if i can just get that guy to notice me look at me look at me that you're good to go without ever changing one thought or even the thoughts that got me involved in something like that, because it was never presented that I had changed, really changed the way that I was thinking. All I had to do was take things on faith and do a lot of different rites and rituals. And again, I'm not putting it down, but I'm using this platform to explain the difference between what the Buddha taught and what developed during his time and has lasted for 2,600 years. The Buddha continues. And this is why that has happened, because this wasn't done. Respect towards those of perfected minds for just one moment brings common understanding. Offering trinkets and sacrifices for hundreds of years, most of that was a common practice then and now, brings continued ignorance and suffering. Offering trinkets and sacrifices for hundreds of years bring con brings continued ignorance and suffering. There was one lineage that I was told that I had to tithe um, and that all that money would go to the particular head of this lineage. And I did a little background and it turned out that this particular gentleman was a multi-billionaire. And again, I'm thinking, you know, I'm supposed to give this guy 10% of 
my money and I'm having trouble paying a mortgage. And it didn't, it didn't make any sense that I should burden myself, but I could pay myself into some kind of Buddhist heaven by doing so. And none of it made sense to me. I mean, all of it was confusing <clears throat> until I put it, put it aside. The Buddha continues, respect towards those of perfected minds for just one moment brings more common understanding than tending sacrificial fires for hundreds of years. Respect for the excellent teaching of the wise brings true merit. Offerings in this world seeking merit brings none. A lot of that has to do with being, uh, letting people notice your merit. You know, and your good work. If you're doing it because you want people to notice you, it's eye making and it's just going to lead to further pain and suffering. Better to live one day well concentrated and virtuous than to live a hundred years distracted and uncontrolled. That's certainly true. And I think we've all experienced that, haven't we? To have that one moment of calm and understanding that all the other things that we might be, uh, placing importance on in our life. What's more important than to wake up and gain full human maturity? And I read it again. Better to live one day well-concentrated and virtuous than to live a hundred years distracted and uncontrolled. And we do just that by living within uh, an integrated eightfold path that then becomes the way we express ourselves in the world. And I know you've heard me say this often, when I finally understood what the Eightfold Path meant and it sunk in and I integrated it, I realized for the, and it, the, the great weight, the great burden that was lifted from my from understanding that was that if I could just stay within this lane of the Eightfold Path, I could no longer harm myself or others. That's liberation when you can really understand that, when you lock it in, that you're good to go. And you know, in this moment and the, all the rest of the moments, as long as I maintain my Dhamma practice, I can stop hurting myself. And if I can stop hurting myself, then I can stop hurting other people, whether it's inadvertently or out of frustration and anger because I can't figure out why I'm so rooted in self-loathing. Nothing showed me the way out of that. Better to live one day well concentrated and wise than to live a hundred years distracted and foolish. Better it is to live one day well-intentioned with right effort than to live a hundred years distracted and lazy. Better it is to live one day see, seeing the rise and fall of all phenomena, understanding impermanence, than to live a hundred years never knowing the impermanence of all things. Better it is to live one day free of ignorance than to live a hundred years dying in ignorance. The Buddha likened living a life rooted in ignorance of four noble truths as like a living death. Better it is to live one day knowing the four truths, the four noble truths, than to live a hundred years rooted in ignorance. That's today's class. Better it is to live within this framework, isn't it? And I think we all would agree with that. So let's start with Mary. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, John. Good morning, everyone. I, I don't really have a lot to say because it really is that simple. Yeah. Um, I believe it. Um, 
and trying to live it. And it just makes a lot of sense. I don't think I have anything else to add. So thank you. Good to be with all of you. Thank you, Mary. Well said. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, John. Um, yeah, I agree with Mary. Uh, there's it's just the simplicity of this and the clarity of it. Um, seeing the the defilements, the, the many, many manifestations of the defilements and the things that we do that to cause distraction and the way out of that being the concentration and the ending of ignorance. And it's simply put, so thank you. Thank you, Brian. Hello, Kevin. Hi, John. Hi again, everyone. And uh, just had to agree with everyone. It just shows the power of the dynamos. You know, and how fortunate we are to be able to hear these words and to be able to try to understand it and to live it. So and it's it's just simple and, and so sweet. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. And you would you would agree with that um, one day living within the Dhamma is worth thousands of years distracted? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It is its own reward. Thanks, Kevin. Good morning, Jeff. Good to see you. Good morning. My apologies for the late arrival. I'm glad uh, you joined us. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I can't can't disagree. I can only agree with everything everybody said. It's um, <laughs> yeah. You you said something interesting there about uh, stop stop hurting self is to stop hurting others. Um, and that, that seems like a timely lesson around here. The, the question that I, I guess is, uh, or the, uh, maybe not a question, but the, 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 the task is, uh, how does one recognize uh, perfected mind that you, you, you don't, without, some study and exposure, one wouldn't really know what a perfected mind was. Yeah. You wouldn't have any background. You wouldn't have any information that would inform you or educate you on 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 the uh, on the practice at all. So um, I don't know. That seems like a maybe an obvious observation, but. Um, yeah. So when you, when when you're trying to teach or bring people to this information, to the practice, um, well, it seems incredibly obvious once you're acquainted with it. It's just the opposite for someone not acquainted with it. Um, I don't know if that's a question or an observation. Of what it is. Thank yeah, I, well, it, it does take, um, it does take practice, you know, that's why it, it is called a practice. Um, there's a certain discipline that we have to incorporate if we're going to develop the dominant. And some people just are simply unwilling to, to utilize that type of discipline in their life. You know, that the, the limiting factors of the Eightfold Path does just that. But again, it's, it, it isn't for everyone. Um, 
But as you start doing it, as you start incorporating the Dhamma and continuing with the practice, you realize for yourself the efficacy of the Dhamma. And again, that's, it's such an important aspect. It's one of the things that we emphasize probably every class is notice the benefits because that'll keep you going. If you see how well this is working for you. And if not, you might decide that the Dhamma is not for you and that's fine. Or you might come to class and ask some questions like we do here all the time. You know, but the, the, the riddle to developing the Dhamma is to develop the Dhamma. You know, it's the only way you can know. Thank you, Jeff. Is Deborah there with you? Deb Hi. Deborah is Hi, here. Deborah. I'm sorry, I'm not presentable on any level. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just glad you joined us today, Deborah. I'm, I've been very sick. Uh, are, you, are you on the mend? I think I turned the corner last night. Okay, that's good. Well, all right. I won't. I won't pick on you anymore. Then I hope you feel better soon. Thank you. Hello, Tom. Hi, John. Um, hi, everyone. Um, yeah. Again, I, I think this <laughs> this might be a short class because I'll echo what what everyone else shared. Um, it's that that simplicity, um, directness. I think for me, um, I have this tendency perhaps like some of us have a very a planning mind uh, and yet it's the planning that gets you in trouble really I mean it, provided it's not just sort of practical planning but trying to figure out how my life might be better in the future if I do x y or z and then of course the consequence of that is that then you think well what if those things don't happen um, so so I feel that this teaching that you know better to live one day i would almost even say better to live one minute or one moment you know take it one moment at a time um because yeah. then you you can just drop that that tendency to plan and to think that we're you know some other something has to happen in the future in order to reach this sort of state of calm and um yeah and and inner peace so uh, yeah, I, I just find it really, really helpful, and and I, I have moments where I'm able to realize it. I still have that planning mind. I still get caught up all the time in in this tendency to to yeah to 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 dream of a better day, and yet uh, you know I'm so thankful for this practice because it gives me that opportunity on a daily basis now to interrupt it um, and to and and to just you know, take a, take a, take a sigh of relief almost. Um, so yeah, um, that's why it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a great, um, chapter for me. Um, very helpful. And, uh, yeah, thank you for sharing. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. It, it's okay to make plans as long as we don't attach conditions to those plans, meaning we, you know, we allow for impermanence. We allow for things to change. Uh, you know, especially when we're, the planning has to do with and fit in with the world that we live in because that's always changing and there's always different conditions going on there. Uh, but as if we can, you know, as we decondition our minds, we stop putting conditions on our plans as well. You know, so then whatever occurs is what occurs. We, we don't lose our minds over it. Thank you, Tom. Does anybody not want to be on camera?
You don't have to be. Okay, here's Becky. We always got to do Carson like this. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, there. I just. I agree with. Of course, I agree with what everybody said. Um, but some of the things that came through to me, especially in just review, is the Dhamma is when you said um, you have to hear the Dhamma. I find that that's very helpful for me, almost as helpful as meditating yeah. is to hear the Dhamma or to read the Dhamma daily. Yeah. I find that really helpful. And um, I do feel, at least from my experience, that in order to, the people who, who continue with the Dhamma are those that had an, some kind of an empathico moment um, early on and maybe it was, I mean, that's, that's what happened to me. Yeah. So I don't know, I don't know. I'm just saying when, as I had it and I couldn't imagine trying to bring someone who didn't you know, just come to class and start to meditate and sort of investigate it on their own. Trying to bring them into this is not, that's not, I don't really think that would be possible. I feel like you have to really, you have to, you have to feel it. You have to have that moment. Yeah. And that moment could be really profound and then maybe you, once you learn what the Dhamma can do and what it feels like to have a moment or two or maybe an hour or sometimes even longer dwelling in the Dhamma or dwelling in the stream, being calm despite what's happening, that's what keeps you going. Yeah. And I'm a planner too, Tom, but you can plan, but you can't grasp onto your planning. Yeah. That's what I say. I can plan, but mm -hmm. plan with, don't plan with a, an outcome that's going to cause you to lose your mind if it doesn't happen. Yeah. As they so. say in the army, one plan is not a plan. Two plans is a plan. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thank you. That was I really like this. It's simple and yeah. remind you of why you're here. It's very good. Thank you, John. Yeah, and you're, you're right, Becky. It's very well said. And what we do here, I was going to say what we try to do here, but I think we do it. What we do here is pre pre present the opportunity so that you, whoever comes here, that it's here, that you have that opportunity to say, wow, yeah, this works. I can do this. Mm -hmm. And it might be just a little bit from each class, but it adds up, doesn't it? It does I, add it, up. Then it's it called Dhamma practice. And you find yourself with it more and more throughout the day. You find yeah. it coming into your mind. You find yourself able to take a deep breath when you're when something happens or normally you would have reacted. Yep. So true. 
you can just go, okay, but you're still, you're still upset, but you don't feel like you're swallowing your reaction. You're at peace with a less than peaceful you're mind feel, You feel like you're just okay with it. Yep. Take a deep breath. You know it's impermanent. And then afterwards, when you can really see it, you're like, wow. It's so imagine what would have happened if I had reacted to that. Yeah. What kind of, you can see that. It's so, it's very, and it's simple, easy stuff. It's simple stuff. You know, it's just every day. I think you're the one that used to get mad at me when I said it was simple and easy. I know, but it's, it's, simple, it's simple things that happen in your mind. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. No. I would never get mad at you. No, I am. I just, <laughs> we, we, we had a member that would, Lorna, Lorna was good at throwing shoes at me. Oh, yeah. Always, always in, with love and compassion. And she would always say, you go too Whoa, fast. Shut up. Slow Bam. down. Hit me a <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Becky. Thank you. Right next to you is our friend Adam. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, friends. Um, like everybody else, I think the simplicity of the sutta is is uh, is remarkable. But also, what it points to is the simplicity of the Dhamma itself. Yeah. Um, and by extension, the manufactured complexity of other dharmas, mm. which, like you, John, something that I experienced for a long time. Uh, but picking up on what Jeff said. Um, you know, how do you know the difference? How do you know that the the, the simplicity is out there? That there's that there's. You know, how do you get away from being caught up in um, all the fancier versions, the crazy hats, you know, yep. the chanting, the horns, all, all that other stuff? I mean, uh, I feel like I came across it kind of by chance by by coming here because my friend you know has recommended it. Um, but if uh, if you're caught up in that, like you were, for example. Yeah. Or some other Dharma, maybe not not a modern Buddhist tradition, but some other one. Um, how do you know this is this is out there? The way that we present it? That it's there at all. Oh, yeah. I, I think you just have to be fortunate enough to come across it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just like they did during the Buddhist time. To me, dumb luck. You know, yeah. the, the Buddha didn't yeah, reach yeah. every person on the planet. Right. It was he reached the people that were fortunate enough to come across him or hear about him and then maybe travel like the Buddhist says it's worth traveling for leagues right. to hear this Dhamma, isn't it? Right. But you need um, to be able to recognize. Yeah. You need to be able to recognize that 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 simplicity and, and you know, for me it's like the internal consistency of the Dharma. Yes. Um, and that takes a measure of oh, I'm sorry, Ron, but it takes mm -hmm. a measure of a, a measure. A little bit of a, it takes a crack in your ego to be able to hmm. say yes i can change my mind but the way i'm living the way i'm thinking hasn't worked for me because that's the beginning of it isn't it yeah. maybe even just a little bit maybe well okay i'll try a meditation method because i've been meditating this way and that didn't work and well i've been going to listening to all kinds of talks and all kinds of crazy things and doing all kinds of rites and rituals and long sashins and none of it has worked so let's try this. But how you come across it, I, you know, I, it's still astonishing to me that it happened, but that I was able to look at the suit. Not, I don't, I don't think I have any <coughs> superhuman capabilities. I think I'm an ordinary human being. In fact, I know I am. But somehow the, 
the, the suttas, what the Buddha actually taught, was still available and is still available. But you have to be able to look at that common thread of dependent origination and four noble truths. And then you can strip away all the, all the rites and rituals and magic and mysticism. Um, so to answer your question, it, the, it's still in the suttas, but you have to know how to look at them. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I did. Um, you know, now we, you know, Matt really is the one that coined the term, restoring the suttas to their original intent, but that, that's really what I've done. So does that answer your question? How do you? <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, um, it's kind of a question in a way it sort of tends not to edification um, because you're, it's, it gets a little bit uh, missionary, I suppose. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, and you know, what we've always learned here is you know, take care of yourself or you can take care of anybody else. Yeah. Um, you know, like the example of the, uh, you know, the oxygen mask in the airplane, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, and trying to start thinking beyond that can be a, you know, a bit of a, right. a uh, whatever, a whirlpool. Yeah, and we create very complex strategies to avoid recognizing our own ignorance of Four Noble Truths. So very, very complex within, whether it's within modern Buddhism or just in life in general. You know, we, um, the psychological model that grew out of the late 50s and early 60s, which is, which really hasn't changed all that much in all those years, um, wasn't rooted in understanding the impersonal nature of self. It was rather to exaggerate. Yeah and personalize whatever self seems to be manifesting, mm -hmm. whether it's on somebody's couch, you know, talking about my troubles, or it's some other form of fixing a broken self. That is, you know, one of the biggest, maybe not today anymore, but one of the biggest aisles in bookstores, because I used to go there, is the self-help aisle. Mm -hmm. Hundreds and hundreds of books, you know, and then right next to it is, you know, 14 books on art and history you know? <laughs> and, and the rest of it is how to fix your, your, your poor broken self. And I, you know, I bought into it all along until I read the suttas the way that they were originally intended. And then I realized that there was things in my behavior that I needed to change because they were so hurtful towards myself and others. But other than that, it was, I wasn't broken. You know, there was nothing, there was nothing for me to fix. It was behavior that needed to change, but that doesn't, that doesn't imply a broken human being, does it? In fact, it, what it does describe is, a, is a, an awakening or a person gaining maturity, right? And a mature person stops, first thing they do is stop hurting themselves because you know, if, you, if you aren't, you're probably not very mature. You're acting in an adolescent way. And, you know, we don't, so again, the ordinary, the, the sutta really points to it, the ordinariness of awakening. Again, it's the most ordinary thing we can do, isn't it? Because it's becoming a human being. What's more ordinary than that? Yeah. You know, to me, it's extraordinary to keep fighting what it means to be a human being. Sickness, aging, death. You know, getting disappointed when you don't get what you want. Living in fear that you might get something. Or just understand, it's just just what's occurring and we're fortunate to have the dhamma thank you Adam. thank you very fortunate bridget thank you for the teaching
think for me, the thing that comes up is just the poignancy of this one moment mm. of a peaceful mind yeah. juxtaposed against a thousand years or whatever, you know, whichever one you're picturing in your mind that it points to the heaviness of the burden yeah. that we carry around mm -hmm. voluntarily. Yeah. And when you... Even insisting on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and you're putting more on top of it yeah. and you're going around stabbing yourself that second era when you're just nuts. <laughs> yeah. And I always think of it that way because it's just there's so much that goes on on this side of that equation, you know? <laughs> and then you have your other option which is just liberation from all of that. And yeah. it's so light and it's so weightless and it's so beautiful. And when you have that for one moment, part of why I think it, that one moment can be so valuable yeah. is because even if you fall back into any portion, once you know that that moment is available to you, you can never unknow that. And then you have yeah. it forever. Yeah. And then in any moment, you know, like we talk about, you you have that freedom to choose what you give birth to in the next. Yes. Moment. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. That, yeah, I, I think we're going to use that in our next PSA. Yes, That's very well said. <laughs> <laughs> very well said. Yeah. That's going to be on our national ad campaign. Just that, just yeah, that one. And you, you mentioned that the Salata Sutta, the, the two hours, we're going to conclude our retreat with that too. And I just, in that sequence, I think it's really going to have even more meaning. Uh, and our re retreat, you know, the registration is up. So if you're going to join us, um, please reserve your spot as soon as you can. It helps my logistics greatly. So I hope you all can join us. Jennifer, good to see you this morning. Good to be here. Thank you for the teaching. Um, I guess I'm just going to bounce off a couple of things that others have shared. Um, at a young age, I remember wanting to find the truth of life. You yeah. know, like many people, you just start wanting to seek the truth and I tried it through traditional religion and um, there are so many practices and traditions and you know that get added to that and beliefs that you have to work very hard to maintain mm. and if you're paying attention at any any moment in time while you're going through that I think you instinctively know that you're you're doing that and that at yeah. least for me, I would look around the congregation and and when I was paying attention, I would see the absurdity of what we were doing. Yeah. But in my desperation to find the truth or to find peace or meaning or whatever, I would agree and join in and grasping onto it. Yeah. You know, um, and try to force something to help my situation in my mind. And I can remember the day where I was sitting and what I was thinking. And this was after I had walked away from the traditional religion. I was like, okay, this is just madness. This is not working. Um, not for me. This, it's just I'm not finding the truth here. And I was sitting on my balcony um, on a spring day like this. And I, I thought to myself, uh, I can't give up. 
you know, the answer is out there. I don't know what it is, but the answer is out there somewhere. So I started searching online and I had found another local Buddhist organization, I won't mention the name, and I started researching them and I was like, you know, that looks just like yeah. the Christian religion, yeah. mm, only it's Buddhist. Yeah. What I'm reading sounds exactly the same to me. <clears throat> I can't go there. I'm walking away from that exact thing and I just don't want to change the title of it for the mm. same thing. Yeah. And so I just kept searching and I found you. Wow. Mm. I just kept searching online and I found you and I was like, this is clean, it's practical. And I remember the first time I met you, I was like, please don't let me walk in this atmosphere because I got my hopes up mm -hmm. uh -huh. and see the crazy making. I didn't, I didn't see the crazy making. Mm -hmm. And I thought this is somebody out there that you did all this work. You did it all, you, you, you know, you, in my mind, and I'm trying not to get choked up about it, I was like, it's just there without all of it in this little tiny town just blocks yeah. from me. <laughs> that was upstairs, that, wasn't it down the street? Isn't that yeah. amazing? And I remember the day that I walked in and I was so like, please, I'm really, because when I read everything on the line, I was like, oh, you know, it, it, you know, so I'm so grateful, <laughs> and it sort of speaks to that exact experience mm -hmm. that I was trying to separate from. <clears throat> Thank you for the really very kind words. Um, you really point out the difference between there's people that come to my website and I get a real nasty email saying, how could you say these things? And this is, and I, I it doesn't bother me. I understand where it's yeah. coming from. And that, and then there's someone like you who comes to it, and you see, yeah, this is good stuff. This is this is what I'm looking for. Yeah. And there's no explanation for that. But again, you're also pointing to how important it is for all of us <coughs> to keep presenting this opportunity to awaken here in this little tiny little town, mm -hmm. and to keep it pure. You know, and, and again, that's something that I decided when I was still teaching next door. In this building over here, right. that if I'm going to teach it, it has to be authentic. It has to be something that I know works, rather than just trying to get people here to show up. Well, like Bridget said, it's the liberation. Yeah. I think that's the perfect word. Is the liberation yeah. from the freedom of not having to just trade those rituals for the other rituals. It takes a lot to maintain that, and then it's yeah. fear based. If somebody challenges it, oh yeah, um, mm -hmm. and I want to liberate. So it's the perfect word. Yeah, there was a, a lineage that I was. I kept being told that if you, they 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 were they had these empowerments two or three times a year, and then if you really wanted to advance in that particular lineage, you had to go to these empowerments, mm -hmm. and they were like three thousand bucks each, and you know I. There was a time in my life when I could have afforded it, but that I always had this thing against paying exorbitant fees just to get some kind of benefit. It just didn't seem right to me, you know. And it's one of the reasons why 
everything we do is donation based except the books i don't have any, any choice for that but i, I remember in a, this other lineage where i was i kind of made friends with the with the head uh, uh what's the oh well, yeah but the female i couldn't think of the anyway and she asked me to go and you know, sign people up and collect their money. And I was told that if people don't, I think it was 15 bucks back then, which was 20 years ago. So it was not 15 years ago, at least. So it was still, you know, that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't allowed to let anybody come in if they didn't have that 15 bucks. And I did that one night and that was the last time I went there. Cause it just, again, I, I don't think, you know, how, how can you insist that people can't avail themselves of this just because it might not have a few bucks in their pocket and it's just it's the whole thing you know isn't it and so this is this is just what we do here and it works for those that that come and practice it you know the um we incorporate this discipline and a word that goes along with that that people really don't like because it has religious connotations is disciple but that's really what we are. We're we're this not we're not disciples of John Haspel, but we're disciples of the Eightfold Path, because that's what liberates us. <clears throat> and we practice the discipline. Yeah, and we practice the discipline. So we are disciples. We are disciples. Yeah, yeah. And I've been disciples in other you know lineages, most like you, and. Um, what, what struck me here when you started teaching me to Dharma is that it, that internal consistency. Uh, there was nothing to be assumed here. It's mm. all it's all very practical. You know, even though it's you know a lot of it is in the mind, it's still a, a, a clear and practical thing that that you can do in your own mind. Yeah. And then, you know, how you bring that mind into the world is, is also, you know, it runs on very practical rules. Uh, and again, it, it just reflects back on, on, on your mind. Yeah. Um, and you stayed with it and it, and it became clear. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been 40 years, you know, being in, in, in systems that were always, there was always some question and sometimes there were lots of questions. Yeah. Uh, and you just have to kind of, you know, shove them aside and then, you know, to keep going, keep going, you know, it'll, it'll get better. Um, and, and here the, 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 the experience was, was different. It got, there was fewer and fewer things that I, I needed to not look at, you know, yeah. just all, whatever I looked at was, was a whole thing. It was, it was all, it all related to each other in a, in a very clear and, and, and logical way. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what, when I finally realized that everything the Buddha taught was taught in the context of dependent origination and Four Noble Truths, mm -hmm. then everything didn't make sense. And then I was able to look at suttas that might have been really very uh, magical and esoteric and strip that away and say, this is, really and, and look at some of the dhammapada um iterations and had nothing like this but this is what the buddha was was saying and it's the simple direct way simple as best simple as best thank you Ron.
Hello, David. Hey, Jeff. Awesome. I'm glad you're here because I would have been a long walk for me if you weren't. <laughs> um, so again, the the, uh, the retreat info's out. It's it's, it's linked in the newsletter and it, it's on the homepage. So if you're going to join us, sign up as soon as you can because it helps me a lot. I hope you're all going to join us. Uh, it took me a while to put this retreat together and I really pleased with how the sequencing of the suttas and the particular suttas. Uh, the theme of the retreat is the heartwood of the Dhamma or the Noble Eightfold Path. Um, well, anyway, that, that's out there. And we'll continue with our Dhammapada study on Tuesday. I think, David, you're teaching Tuesday? No? Who's teaching? Me? Well, someone will be teaching on Tuesday. Next, uh, maybe the Tuesday after. Uh, We'll finish with um, the Metta Sutta, as we always do. And I've um, changed it a little bit again. You might notice the difference, you might not. So take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath and let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. And these are the Buddha's words on Metta describing what it means to be an awakened, fully mature human being. The Buddha's words. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, they are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate, radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, abandons ignorance of four noble truths. That's today's class. Thank you, John. Thank you all for Thank joining. You. Thank you, John. Keep up the discipline. Bye, everybody. See you all. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. 
If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.